Oh god. Sorry, I completely blanked and forgot your last name, Matt. <laughs> Dagger. Matt Dagger. Welcome to the Starlight Ballroom. Hey. Hello and welcome to Shipwrecked and Comatose, a podcast about Red Dwarf. Although this podcast isn't about Red Dwarf, but it has a link to Red Dwarf. That's right, this is episode three as we go through the Chloe Annette other bit of work that she happened to be doing at the time, Crime Traveller. I am your host, Carl Bryan, which means it is a special episode because I very rarely get to have the host's chair, and I am joined this week by Mark Adams. Mark, how are you? I'm all right, yeah. Um, the, 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 my chair, whilst it isn't the host's chair, strangely feels the same as the host's chair that I have used in the past. But I'm, I'm on top of the Zencaster today. <laughs> <laughs> and also on this episode, we have Matt Latham. Hello, Matt. Sorry, my name's Matt Dagger, not Latham. I do apologise. Matt Dagger. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got to keep that in. <laughs> Damn you, Dagger. It's Latham. <laughs> Fuck's sake, get on with it. Right, so we are getting into our third episode of this series. Uh, three of eight, I believe it is. Uh, and this one is Fashion Shoot, which uh, uh, debuted on the 5th of March, 1997 on BBC One. Uh, what are your initial thoughts of it, uh, just as we're about to go into it in a bit more detail then, Mark? I mean, there's something kind of 90s charming about a crime show set at a fashion shoot. It feels like, to some extent, that I've seen this a million times, weirdly, in my head. But, yeah. And, um... Is it me? Or does telly never get fashion shows right? Yeah, I think we're, when when we get to these... Uh... The, uh, the scenes with the fashion show and it will there'll be a fair bit to discuss about these things <laughs> uh, Matt, how about yourself? Um, it's an odd thing to say but there is, but I quite enjoyed how Saturday evening entertainment it was yes. I think it was, it, yeah, mm. I think it was um, my podcast head kept coming on and saying oh that's interesting, that's interesting and then the other part and the other head spare head too was going just watch it you dickhead <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it I did have to watch it twice, once once in this host capacity and once just out of sheer just wanting to watch it without the podcast head on. All right, so this episode is directed by Brian Farnham, who directed four episodes of the whole series. He is a television sort of stalwart. He directed a lot of episodes of The Bill, Poirot, at Night and Day, which is probably a podcast all in itself, the ITV soap that went a bit Twin Peaks after it got moved to 11 o'clock at night. Oof, that's a name. That's a name I've not heard for ages. Yeah, no. I did find that they are all on YouTube. Uh, and he also directed nine episodes of the show that was alternating with Crime Traveller and probably would have gone back and forth if Crime Traveller carried on for another series, Bugs. No. God, I remember Bugs? Didn't it have Craig, Craig McLaughlin without the check one too in it? He did, yeah. No moaner either. Mm. But yeah, he, he was directing Bugs and then he came into Crime Traveller. So it must be one of those things, right? If you're on the BBC 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, you get kept on. 
Either that, he just like just slept outside BBC, the BBC and just like never went on. Yeah, maybe maybe when they just they just wheeled off Chloe and and Michael French off the set and wheeled in Jesse Birdsell and Craig McLaughlin just at the end <laughs> of the day, just one off, one on. Uh. Right, let's get into this episode. We begin with fashion designer Sonia Duval being interviewed about her new winter collection, Black Ice, stating to the reporter that black isn't a colour, it's a mood. And she's trying to give her... <laughs> that is the most gothic thing I have heard in my entire life. I've been listening to like a lot of Stabbing Westwards recently, and it is the most ridiculously emo goth shit I've listened to in a long time. And this topped it with that one statement. Yeah, it's very... I mean, it's a very 90s fashion designer of a statement to say, isn't it? <laughs> so emo. She also goes on to say that her clothes... She wants to give her clothes a more aggressive quality with this show. I've got down here that the breathy dialogue between the reporter and Sonia goes into borderline porn acting. Oh, I've got them down. Yeah, I thought they were flirting yep. with each other. Yeah. There was, yeah, they were weren't borderline. There was like proper flirting with each other. I thought. Yeah, I can see why the other actress got picked up to be in Emmerdale <laughs> only a couple of years later. Um, right, Sonia recently has been under heavy criticism from her last few shows. However, she says she's not bothered about that, and then reaches for her wine. However, when she does, a bullet blows it to pieces in what can only be described as an incredibly accurate shot. <laughs> Uh, it takes three shots for the reporter to realise that someone is shooting at them and then they take cover. I just think that, yeah, like a very accurate shot and then proceeds to miss for the next three. Why didn't they just shoot her properly? For the plot to happen. So then we head over to the, uh, to the station where Gresham fills us in on the backstory, which seems to be a more recurring thing over this episode and probably all of them so far in that Gresham is just exposition with a desk. <laughs> desk position. Nice, Matt. Nice. Well done. I did note that, like, at the start of this, that, you know, most of this holds up okay. And, you know, like, special effects and acting and um, sets and everything, but the cars. Oh, my fuck. The nineties cars are so nineties. Now, which car? Which car do you mean? Is there, is there the old Beamer? The the old Beamer doesn't look like the Beamer. All of the cars. I think one one of them's a Rover. That's that. Yeah, a Rover four hundred. I think. Isn't there? There's a lot of Audis in this, isn't there? From what I remember, everybody's got an Audi. Talking in about Sonya, apparently even Princess Diana has clothes by Sonya, and I had to quickly double check. Uh, if this was around the time of her death, it was before um, it was before, but only just a few months before, because I, I immediately made me think of um, uh, meltdown when they couldn't uh, play it because of what was going on in the Gulf, and I was like, oh, I wonder if this got bumped because of Princess Diana's death, because I knew it was around this time. If it di- if it did, it was very creepy because she was still alive at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit. So. At the station, Slade is juggling a nondescript ball during all of this and annoying everybody. He's just a giant child. Damn you, Slade. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a bit as well where there's several instances, including 
I'm not going to say it yet, but Sue Johnson's eye acting will is on point in this episode. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to bring that up again in a bit. But yeah, so like she does this. She does a massive eye roll, which got a laugh from me to do with the baseball. And like considering how pretty much it is desk position, um, Sue Johnson's still kind of doing her best with it, and like he's like scene stealing as much as he can. So, yeah, she hasn't got a lot, but what she's got, she's really going for. True, mm-hmm. very true. So, with this new show that Sonny's putting on, there is going to be a police presence there, including undercover officers, which will be Slade, presumably so he doesn't have to take off his jacket, and Turner, who's been put in with the seamstresses as it's assumed she can sew. <laughs> Does this fall under 90s it, Mark? Uh, no, I don't think it does because the character is supposed to be being a dickhead. Deliberately, I think she's deliberately being a bit of a dickhead rather than kind of being a nineties ick dickhead. If that yeah. makes any sense, yeah. Because I think, I mean, we've we've had it established that a lot of the traditional kind of female stuff that like TV would expect all the female characters to know to be kind of twisted on its head. Because I think isn't the the, the first episode where like I think Slade assumes she can cook a souffle and she goes, I don't know. <laughs> It's like it's like it's like someone going to me goes oh Matt change that tire and I'm like you are yeah I don't know it's change your tire <laughs> no I don't no I don't know how to play squash either so we have a conversation about tradition traditionally masculine things and the first thing you mentioned is playing squash I don't know oh. any sports I don't have a football team I'm aware of football as a thing you're aware of sports as a concept I am yeah. Thing where blokes thump each other in it. Isn't that wrestling? No, that's an art form. Moving on. Moving on. So Holly uh, says she can't sew. However, she's told she's going to have to wing it. I feel this cruelly overlooks Nicky and Morris, especially Nicky, who from his previous record probably knows how to sew because he needs to cover all bases. You will yeah. see as we go through these episodes, I've made quite a few notes about Nicky. He is slowly becoming my favourite character in the entire show. <laughs> Have you got a crush on Nicky? It's less a crush, more a, oh, I'd have watched a spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we go to the church where the show is going through, and we see the models going through the paces, and we meet, well, I say we meet, we hear the three of the models, Dominique, Ava, and Charmaine, and I wondered, it's in these things, it's always these fancy names. It's never like Tracy or Brenda or... I would assume, I mean, I, I don't know very much about the modelling world, but I would assume that you would take a pseudonym like a, an author or an actor would, yeah. and or, or a wrestler would, I suppose. And, you know, you don't have wrestlers called Bob Smith. So I would assume you wouldn't have, like, a model called Sarah Smith, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, make make a note, Matt. Mark said he doesn't know much about the modelling world, so that means we're going to have to do a deep dive for his old modelling pictures when he was in his twenties. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that wasn't Mark. Moving on. <laughs> uh, it's revealed that Slade has removed his jacket, although the tie is a similar colour. Yeah, I've got to announce about this. Um, 
yeah, it's weird seeing him in blue. Mm. That, yeah, that blue doesn't suit him. It's like, you know, if you're playing Street Fighter and you both pick the same character. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we've got we've got Slade's um, alternative player to, like, get up and it looks weird. It's just the inverse colour scheme. Yeah. Yeah, it just... Wow. It just doesn't... It's Brilliant. like, yeah, it's like when they used to flip between the red and the blue jacket on Smallville uh, for Clark Kent. Um for like when he's Bizarro and stuff, and here we've got like Bizarro Slade. Yeah. I thought I initially thought it might have been because it was too. What what I thought originally was that I thought oh it's a visual it's a visual clue because we're going to see a lot of the Marvel lap. Yeah. D- during the time travel, but as we find out, it's not. So God no. So unless his undercover work is basically changing the colour of his jacket. Yeah, I mean, it's a very yeah. striking jacket, his regular jacket. So maybe if you see him in something else, you just go, that can't be Slade. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's someone else. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we check in with Holly, who is having an awful time and presumably being a massive liability to the entire show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so there's an issue going on with the smoke and we meet Clifford, who's Sonia's business partner, who assures her everything will be there tomorrow, the screen, the barbed wire and everything else. However, he does have the logo and they take a break to hang that logo up. During this, a lady comes up to Sonia to check if everything's OK and Sonia just absolutely chews her out and sends her off. <laughs> now, Slade comforts Holly that she's only got one more day to go. To which I'm asked, why has she been working there this entire time? Doesn't she only really need to be there for the show? Yeah. Like, they, everybody at the show knows there's going to be a police presence. Why is Holly working there? <laughs> and she's the only scientist in the department. That is a good point. And she can't sew. And she can't sew. And is she getting paid for working? You know, obviously she's getting the police wage. Is she getting the sewer's wage as well? Isn't the term seamstress? <clears throat> it is seamstress, yes. I do. Not sewer. <laughs> well, that, that, that just shows I don't have uh, have my modelling background either. <laughs> Job title, sewer. <laughs> oh, so what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm a sewer. <laughs> yeah. Slade mentions if uh, anyone shoots Sonia, Holly can have tomorrow off, which is a bit bleak. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is um, and Holly thinks the whole thing is a massive overreaction because no one really buys Sonia's clothes anymore just as she, just as she suggests this is all for publicity the logo banner drops and it reads Sonia dies tomorrow OMG da, da, da. there's a lot of moments in this which are just like dun 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 um what, what do you think about it so far, sort of, with this whole, what you think the show is going to be like? Because obviously it's in a church, you know, black isn't just a colour, it's a mood. So are we all thinking quite gothy? Yeah. There's some cla- there's some bad lines as well. Yeah. People in this business might be crazy, but they're not mad. That is a terrible yeah. line. I'm I'm just asking what you think the show's going to be like for when we actually talk about what happens when the show starts. Well, I thought it was going to be gothy. Mm. It wasn't yeah. gothy. Yeah. So Slade 
I put it, Slade shouts into action, asking who did the logo. <laughs> and the response was, it was done last night and been left in the church overnight, which had <sighs> been locked. Uh, Sonia asked Slade to take her home, and then Holly watches them go with a combination of intrigue and jealousy on her face. So as, as we're going on, we're seeing the... Uh, we, I believe Chloe Annette does some very good, like, like hang on, that's my man faces <laughs> in these episodes. I enjoy Chloe Annette's acting, and I have done over Series 7 of Red Dwarf and Crime Traveller. She's actually pretty good. Question I'm going to hold to you is, what exactly... So they are undercover, correct? Mm. Yes. What the bloody hell is Slade supposed to be the undercover of? Because immediately he's acting like a police officer. I didn't think of that. Yeah, he's not yeah. actually doing anything. Yeah, he's he? not actually no. doing it. Yeah, he's, he just he seems to be, I don't know, is he going under, undercover as <laughs> private security or something? Because as soon as that happens, he starts interrogating people and immediately everyone kind of reacts to him as if they know that he is some kind of law enforcement officer. And I'm like, what the f... Does, yeah, so they've got like the world's worst undercover officer uh, like in the wrong colour jacket. Yeah. They're some they're kind of neglecting their scientific forensic department by sticking her um into a role that she clearly would have got fired in, considering what we know of Sonya. Yes. Um so ob- so clearly the problem is Grisham. <laughs> so she's clearly yeah, not bit. she's clearly yeah, so she's got some kind of weird she's got some issues with her leadership skills. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I didn't notice that at all until you mentioned it. It's like, what is Slade actually doing? All right. So Holly sits down to talk to the lady who got shouted at earlier by Sonia, and we learn she is Sonia's sister, Linda, who would look more like her if she wore the same type of clothes. Remember that, everyone. Make a note. If she wore the same type of clothes, she'd look more like Sonia. She mentioned it's easier to list off people who wouldn't want to kill her sister and then finishes it all off with a slightly ominous, one day I'll show her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Subtle. So, yep. so, I don't know if you look further into this. So the actress who plays Linda Duval is um, an actress called Amanda Royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the... And her on-screen sister, Sonia, is played by Carol Royal. And I was like, oh, those are names that are very similar. They do look alike, so the casting must have, like, really... Oh, no, they're actually sisters. Mm. So the actresses are playing them are actually sisters. So, uh... That's yeah, cool. So, yeah. That's a nice touch, yeah. I yeah. think it's quite cool as well, because if you look into uh, the actress who plays Sonia's uh, IMDb, she hadn't really been on telly for a good few years, so she was coming back uh, to do this, and she did this episode with her sister, and then she kind of like rebooted her TV career, which is quite nice. I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah, the uh, Carol Royal who plays Sonia. Yeah, the but yeah, but, but basically take you. It's one of those where a couple of seconds takes a few seconds to scroll down with your mouse wheel on the uh, Wikipedia page, where it's just a load of stuff like the the bill casualty. Uh, Grange, Grange, no, Blake Seven, Ooh, Blake Seven, yep, yeah, sitcom where she was in Casualty. Um, I think Amanda Royal has a couple of sentences. Yeah, it's it's, it's a Wikipedia stub, um, and 
<laughs> a good chunk of one of the sentences about family members. Yeah, that's yeah. always the, the Actually, sign yeah. of a good... Let me just read out the Amanda Royal Wikipedia article. It's only going to take a minute. Mm-hmm. Amanda Royal, born 1962, is a British actress who has appeared in a variety of British television shows, including Agatha Christie's Perot, uh, Campion, Rosemary in Time and Bullman. She's the sister of the actress Carol Royal, and their father, Derek Royal, played the part of the eponymous corpse in the Forty Towers episode The Kipper and the Corpse. Derek was also the coach guide in the Beatles film The Magical Mystery Tour. So, <laughs> over half of that is about someone else. Nice. Wow. Yeah, one thing we'll notice, I think, going through there is when we look through the, the guest cast on a lot of these episodes, everybody's done a lot of Bill. Yeah. In fact, you know, the actor who plays Clifford, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Lazarus, hasn't done much. Great name. Yeah, Frank Lazarus hasn't done much, but uh, when you scroll down, so it's uh, in 98, did Vigo, A Passion for Life, was a psychiatrist in Friends of the North, um, was in an episode of Boone, a couple of episodes of French Fields, was in the film Superman. I was like, wait, I was like, what? what? He was the Air Force One pilot in the film Superman, as in the 1978 British Donner film. Nice, so, uh, nice. Yeah. When when are we going to do the Boone cast? Right? I have no idea what the I have no idea what, the, what Boone is. You don't know what Boone is? Oh, well. How can you sum up Boone? But it's Michael Elphick as a retired firefighter who puts an advert in the paper, going sort of any any. Uh, was it any requests available or something like that? And basically, he goes out and. He's basically a broomy eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I am definitely interested. I ain't going. Got one of- I ain't going in that plane, you blooming idiot. <laughs> he's, he's, it's a broomy eighteen. His sidekick is Neil Morrissey in like his first ever role, and uh, it's got one of the best theme songs you've ever heard, which is a weird reggae song. <laughs> Um, uh, I'll play it to you afterwards. I have nothing to add to this definition of Boone. I, I think it was genius. I've sh- it, it was massive back in the day. It was Boone? Yeah. No. Anyway, back at Sonny's house, we discover Morris is stationed outside the front door till midnight. To which I've gone. Surely uniform could do that. Again, <laughs> Grisham. <clears throat> yep, again, Grisham. Slade offers to bring him out a cup of cocoa. Inside, Sonia pours some wine and tells Slade she feels safe when she's around him and he's nothing what she expected. (laughs) She asks if he's married, which he said he used to be, which is probably the main bit of character development we've had for Slade so far in the series, that he used to be married. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Sonia tells Slade he's very attractive and he should let her dress him. Now, this is where Slade, I think, lets the fans down in that he says his tie is tangerine and that's not his colour. And he's right. His colour is mustard yellow. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the scene ends with Sonia looking seductively at Slade because, as we all know, once our lives has been threatened, it doesn't half give us the horn. <laughs> Ever been had your life threatened and just been incredibly randy, Mark? No. I mean, I've had my life threatened, but it didn't make me get a hard on. <laughs> me either. Matt? Same. 
If you're out there and you've ever had your life threatened and it got you quite randy, then drop us one on the Twitter. <laughs> you could have phrased that a bit better. Uh, we cut to the next day. Slade is walking up the stairs of the station as other officers tell him he looks knackered, that he'd been up all night, and did she twist your arm? With Slade saying, oh, she made it hard for him to say no. So quite laddie banter, which I actually cringed at because this is the kind of stuff I used to hear when working in pubs and clubs. Mm. And he's just like, oh, I hate that stuff. Yeah, he's pretty much just going, hey, Slade, lad. Right, lad, yeah. lad. And I'm like, it's like lad, bi- like lad Bible stuff. And yeah, that yeah. He, he, makes me shudder. Yeah. This is all overheard by Holly, who is furious. Absolutely enraged. Uh, Gresham goes over the plan today by telling us where the main cast are going to be stationed and everyone else is as agreed. So if you're not in the main cast, you haven't really got a position. You're just there. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised they hadn't um, put someone we've not seen before and like who's clearly a red shirt. So there's a, mm. there's a great family guy um, Star Trek gag where he goes, yes, where it's Kirk going now. We're going on a way mission. With me, Mr. Spock, Bones, Mr. Sulu, and Ensign Bullman. And then just see Ensign Bullman going, oh, for the love of... Yeah. <laughs> As I understand it, there's a similar joke. I think it's the Pitch Perfect films, where in the third one they mention two... Ca- they talk to two characters who've been in all three films, and the two characters never get lines. And they just go, are they talking to us? <laughs> I've not seen the third one actually. Yeah, I've heard it's not as good as the first two. I I had a lot of a lot of uh, people shouting at well, let's say people. My two friends shouted at me when they realised I hadn't watched the first one, and immediately I had to watch the first one, and then a cappella became my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, word has, le- has leaked to all of the newspapers except the Guardian. <laughs> I can't work out if this was a dig or not. <laughs> this this was my biggest laugh of the episode. Yeah, it's a good it's line. A, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not the it's not the yes, Prime Minister takedown of all. If you've not takedown of all the um, newspapers, and if anyone's have no idea what we're talking about, Google newspapers, yes, Prime Minister, because it is the most accurate and uh, creepily up still relevant definition of all the major newspapers. In the UK, um, but I just quite like the fact that the, the, it's like I think it's also like a swift like dig, and this is coming from a Guardian reader. Anyway, um, I thought it was quite funny, but it's it's just the the again eye acting from from Sue Johnson, who just looks just I can't remember if it's Nikki or Morris who says it, which just like stares at them, and that beat yeah. just made me laugh a lot louder than I expected to laugh. Yeah, it's it's Nikki, and it it it, it is it is a bit of a thing where you kind of Nikki goes, oh, it's not in the Guardian, and you do think, of course, he reads the Guardian, <laughs> and that's why Nikki uh, is one of the few likable characters in this whole television show. True. Morris, I get the feelings a Sunday sport reader. <sighs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't read it. He just looks at the pictures. Yeah, <laughs> somebody tell him what the pictures are. <laughs> so now it's all been leaked in the papers the public are going to be watching them while they're watching Sonya so Gresham says no mistakes Uh, Slade goes to visit Holly and she's very very cold towards him and I thought this was a bit unfair (laughs) 
just Holly's just being really nasty to him and he's got no idea what he's supposed to have done. Is he that oblivious that he doesn't clock that she likes him? Or is it, I don't know, it just seems a bit... He's supposed to be a police officer and they're supposed to be perceptive? This is a workforce that's got Morris on it. <laughs> True. <laughs> I think it's the case of like they he knows that they like each other but they're not admitting it to each other but he 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 knows he hasn't done anything and he doesn't so he doesn't know why he's why she's pissed off with him so he's just like hey flirty happy go lucky stare deeply into each other's eyes for half an episode and she's not really going for it <laughs> you know what I mean I don't I don't know I don't know I I I'm wondering whether it's just... I'm probably reading too much into this, but I'm just wondering whether it's like Slade hasn't... Slade doesn't automatically see her as, oh, she's nice. Or just like, Mm. doesn't have the immediate urge to try and cough, like, trying to chat her up or something. So it's it's slightly different. So, uh... Yeah. Well, Well, we'll be getting into this a bit more later in the episode. Uh, so... Holly clarifies she doesn't like Sonia. When Slade asks why, she says she's very happy for him, but can't believe he's so brazen about it. Before this can go any further, Gresham interrupts to say there's been a development. And then we get one of my favourite bits, a rare outing for Nikki and Slade. (laughs) (laughs) Dream team are out. Now, I'd, I'd like to think... If there was a second series, we'd get a Nikki and Slade episode, and we'd get a Morris and Slade episode. Would would the would the shipping name be Slicky? Oh, Slicky! Wow, wow. It's better than it's better than Sloris, but uh... yeah, yeah, Sloris. Oh god! <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! Didn't you uh, find so, some uh, crime traveler fan fiction, Carl? I did. I sent you some crime traveler fan fiction. Uh, I didn't read it, although I probably should, um, I, because I've I managed to find uh, crimetraveler.co.uk, which is still operational. Uh, has like pictures and an episode guide, which I took some notes to do this one today, and it's got like FAQs, and then it's got a link to the fan fiction site mm. that I sent you to the other day. Brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. I've actually got that open. <laughs> I've got that website open as well. So that whoever, whoever, if the webmaster at uh, crimetraveler.co.uk is listening to this, um, um, thank you. <laughs> I, we hope I hope you're enjoying this. <laughs> and oh, let's see, her name is on the website, so we'll give her a shout out, uh, Leanne Fridland. So Leanne, thank you for creating crimetraveler.co.uk. And just want you to know that it's still being looked at to this day. Yeah, you wonder when she did make crimetraveller.co.uk. Right, so Nikki and Slade visit an insurance company to discover Sonia has got a £3 million insurance policy in case of accidental or violent death. Uh, A clerk brings in a different policy, and even with only one line, comes across as immediately suspect. Uh, the policy taken out by Clifford and Sonia might not know about it and because it's a corporate policy Clifford would be the sole beneficiary so already it's starting to look pretty bad for Clifford 
so we're heading back to the church, and Clifford wants Linda to put some fake blue fur on something, which Holly then volunteers to do. Quite brazen to say she wants to do it when she's not very good at sewing. Yeah, it seems um, like quite a complicated an, job. Yeah, it's you'd think they'd have given her something else to do with some because obviously this is a major uh, fashion show and very important to Sonia. So you, you know, maybe they would have given her something to do like I don't know, stage management or something. But but you know, ladies can ladies have to sew. It's the nineties. <laughs> All right. An, engi- an engineer appears to say someone had taken the DAT tape, which made me feel all warm and nostalgic. <laughs> oh, man, bloody hell, DAT tapes. Oh, mm. I haven't seen one of them in years. Yeah. With all the yeah, all the music's on this tape and it's missing. Apparently, Sonia only has the only copy, so the engineer, whose name is Carl, great name, <laughs> uh, is told not to worry. Sonia arrives with Slade, tells him to put the car around the back, and she goes in through all the paparazzi. Uh, also, there is the people who have read the dictionary definition of the term detective, and they're stood there in their uh, trench coats and ties with one finger in their ear doing some great uh, head earpiece acting. I don't know if you noticed those. I did not notice that. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, when she goes inside, she sees the fake blue fur and loses it because she wanted lilac. Now, I can't remember the difference between lilac and blue. I'm guessing lilac's lighter. Lilac's kind of purpley, isn't it? Yeah, I'm saying lilac's like a purple. I think, yeah, I think at the moment the Zencaster screen is more lilac than blue. Ah, right, okay. You realise that the uh, people listening can't see our Zencaster screen, Matt? And not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to share the colour lilac on our socials. Yeah. <laughs> just way in advance of it coming out, it's just a block of lilac and just, just deal with it, Matt Later. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to deal with that. <laughs> this is lilac. Deal with it. Sonia immediately blames Linda, but the stitching's dreadful. Holly takes responsibility. Sonia doesn't want to hear it, blames Linda, who loudly quits. Uh, and then Clifford takes her into an office to calm down, and Sonia gives Carl his tape, uh, although he hasn't got time to test it now. So, yeah, keep that in mind, people, for later on. Uh, all, this, all this is happening. Slade's parking the car, and he is hit from behind and thrown in the boot. So I'm thinking, how long did it take him to get round the building with the car while all this goes on? It is, it is a 90s one... car. True. Can I have one of my favourite podcast rants, please? Okay. Yes, of course, Mark. So, concussion. It's quite a serious thing. And if you are knocked out from a blow to the head, you will be concussed. Mm. That is medically mm. true. And if you are concussed, you are fucked for at least a day. You, you mm-hmm. lose your balance, you, your memory can be very sketchy, and there's lots of symptoms of concussion. Teleconcussion <clears throat> is get knocked out, spend an hour out cold, you'd be brain damaged, and then wake up and la 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 la, I'm fine. And, and, and unfortunately, this programme doesn't book that trend and is shit teleconcussion and I don't like it. 
Well, what you've got to remember in this case, Mark, is it's following the two great traditions of being hit in the back of the head, which is the nondescript black stick that they always get hit with. And they always act like they've been hit between the shoulder blades. <laughs> Shoulders go back, head goes back, and then they fall down. I mean, I think we'll see over this series it happens to Slade a lot. Yeah, he would be brain damaged by the end of this series, the amount of time he sees knocked out and spends prolonged periods of time out of out you know, out of consciousness, he would be brain damaged. That is a clinical fact. Maybe this is why he's so oblivious to the Holly thing. Maybe. <laughs> In uh, in, in slight, slightly off tangent, have any you any of you ever watched Smallville? <laughs> yes, I haven't actually. There's um, a great joke I remember reading where um, like says, "Oh, I've got an idea for a spin-off of Smallville called Concussion. It follows Lex Luthor and his point of view for the whole show." <laughs> I've appeared. Oof. I've appeared on the uh, Always Hold On to Smallville podcast several times and they've always got a knockout to keep Clark's secret counter. And the amount of times that characters get knocked out so that Clark, that Tom Welling can come in, do his Superman powers and leave without being, having his identity revealed. Um, I think I think, I think, think for your mental health, Mark, you probably should never watch Smallville. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's just one of my absolute bugbears that mm. concussion is always depicted so frivolously. That concussion is depicted so frivolous. Why can't I say frivolously? It's always been one of my bugbears that concussion is so frivolous. Fuck. It's always been one of Rampant. my... Rampant. Oh, uh, Mark, has it been one of your um, real massive bugbears that they do concussion wrong on telly? Yeah, they do it so frivolously. Hey, it's always been right. I'm going to start again. I'm actually going. I'm going to get this out. It's always been one of my bugbears that concussion is always depicted so frivolously on television and film, and it always really just makes me cross. Depicted so what? Sorry, I missed that. (laughs) Frivolously. Going going to the Smallville connection. Quite an odd thing in that we mentioned bugs earlier on. Uh, as this director did direct some bugs. Also directing bugs is Goff and Miller, who created Smallville. Wait, what? Yep. They did an episode of it. Um, and also uh, Bruno Hellyer, who ended up doing Gotham and Rome on HBO. Rome Whoa. was brilliant. Gotham was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Gotham really was one of those shows where it's like, it's on what series now? Um. I found out a very funny thing the other day, slightly off tangent, but almost, you know, the CW that has all the like Arrowverse shows and Supernatural and all those. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they announced the other day that their average uh, viewer age is 56. What? For all these teen uh, dramas. They reason that a lot of people below that age aren't watching live. They're watching on streaming services. Um, but still, it made them like a massive laughing stock that their their key demographic is fifty six. Bloody loves Riverdale, I do. <laughs> this is when CBS suddenly gets a lot younger. So it is now time for the show to start, and what a show! Uh, somebody does the Black Widow pose, and a confetti cannon goes off, <laughs> and. 
I've put here, there is much pleather and weird grinding. (laughs) (laughs) I think I covered it with telly never really gets fashion shows right earlier on. (laughs) This is beautiful in its utter ridiculousness. Yeah, the the main model who does the thing just kind of gets up, grabs the small of her back like a sort of painkiller advert, and then kind of kind of grinds, kind of does standing up crunches. It's really weird. You know, if you saw somebody doing it to you in a club, you'd run for it. Maybe. That would suggest that I still go to clubs. Too fair, anyone wearing what they're wearing will will probably just reverse. Uh, Meanwhile, back at the car, uh, somebody appears to be pouring petrol on the car and lights it before throwing the keys away. Uh, then we there's a lot of cuts in this bit, so we'll jump back and forth, back and forth. Uh, we jump back to show that Holly is looking for Slade, who's who we see is now awake and trying to fight his way out of the car. And in the same way that you've talked about sort of the concussion thing in cars, it this is the traditional. There's not a great deal you can do to convey I'm trying to get out of a car, apart from cough and kick. <laughs> My God, Michael French is doing a good job. <laughs> like, like trapped in car acting. What I quite, what I quite like, and and is slightly perhaps different to your probably usual escalation of drama on a Saturday night. Is this is your Act Three, like eight fifty, uh, like eight yeah. fifty p.m. kind of moments happening at like eight fifteen. Um, so yes. like the the escalation is like oh, okay, this is you. Yeah, this is your kind of climax of the episode happening very early on, and I quite like that the show is kind of doing that because the way it cuts the music, it feels like it's building up to the end, like the your final bit of the episode already. And it's a, I quite like how the set piece is done that way. Um, yeah, I mean obviously it's like hey, is he going to get at this rather than is he going to live? Because it's, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that the fire will get to. Jeff Slade, and then realise shit, it's Jeff Slade, and then the fire would actually like reverse. But um, <laughs> I quite, like, <laughs> but I, I, I do, I do quite like how the show is like unashamedly going for that action set piece. But then again, this is the same show that has that massive car chase, like the first five, first five minutes of the final episode. So, yeah, I mean, thinking about it, and we've we've had we talked about that car chase uh, in this. We've got this car exploding. And in the next episode, we'll talk about a fairly big stunt as well. This is actually quite big stuff for 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. This is, you know, this is fairly... You don't normally get this in, like, you know, the bill or something like that. This is actually slightly quite high drama. Yeah, like I said before, I think the budget, they didn't shirk on it. It's um, It's got some cool stuff in it, some very, very cool stuff in it. Yeah, it's and we see the shots of of Slade in the car. There's fire around him. There's it's not um you know it's it's not CG because you know CG then was in the very initial stages. So the only way you could do it is is uh, thing. And the shot of him running away from the car and it exploding is fantastic. I mean, if we're going to be talking about CG, well, just have a look at Red Dwarf Seven. True. Yeah. Or the remaster. The um. Oh, what they called? No, the remastered ones. Bloody hell! Uh, 
Yeah, anyway, yeah. so while Slade's trying to fire the car back at the thing, we see Clifford emerging from the office that he went into uh, with Linda. Just as Sonia is getting ready to walk down the aisle to take her final bow, Slade escapes the car, runs for cover, and the car explodes in uh, very space balls like spectacular stunt, <laughs> Slade. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Sonia goes down, we hear two gunshots, and Sonia falls to the ground. There's absolute chaos. Nikki spots somebody holding a rifle in the chapel, and Morris takes off after them, radioing that he is heading north. And then inside, Clifford yells for a doctor. Holly steps up as she's got medical training. However, Clifford states that that is not good enough, and he wants a damn doctor, to which I've written down here. Holly gives the best, what the fuck did you just say to me? Look. <laughs> um, someone runs out of the crowd stating they're a doctor, uh, they want an ambulance, and they move want to move the body to an office where it's private. Uh, Holly objects, but they shout her down. And Slade arrives just to find out that she has been shot before the doctor emerges to say she's dead, and then he just leaves. I mean, technically, Holly's a police officer, isn't she? So couldn't she... They yeah. say, shut, shut up, I'm a police officer. Do as I tell you. Do not move the body, you daft prick. If if there's if there's kind of anything that slightly takes you out of it, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is clearly in something that's happening and like a bit too dr- dumb for the show to try and sell us his actual thing that's happening. It's this bit because it's clearly not an actual doctor. It's clearly staged, and it's and it, hmm. yeah, it's it's like the what it's like the first part of the time of the episode. Where I'm like, I was kind of taken out of it a bit, so I'm just caught up in the kind of drama like the drama and the action and like like Michael French fuck yeah kind of stuff and then suddenly you've got you've got like the script slightly unsure how to handle a fake doctor yeah I I thought this bit yeah there is the the thing of um this doctor who appears out of nowhere we already kind of know that he's the guy who hits Slade because we kind of see his face when he lights the car on fire so already it's a bit a bit suspect. There was a quite nice little detail that when he comes out and says, I'm sorry, she's there's nothing we can do, and he goes past Slade, Slade doesn't look at him because he's too busy looking at Holly. Um, so he doesn't notice mm. uh, that it's, and a bit of a spoiler here, it's the clerk who we met in the insurance office earlier who just doesn't have his glasses on. Mm. I just think it's like a difficult thing to give a clue to people watching in a murder mystery. And it's just done a little bit clunkily here, isn't it? And I think it's classic. Well, Poirot, we keep referencing Poirot because everything about this is like Poirot with time travel. And it is the kind of classic Poirot clue drop, but it's too obvious. That's all it is, I think. Yeah. I wonder if that was the elevator pitch for this show. Time Travelling Poirot, probably. Because that's what it, it is. is. Time Travelling Poirot. But with the guy from EastEnders. And with the better jacket. Uh, Gresham arrives in the aftermath, uh, laments that the entire department has been there day and night and someone still got shot. <gasps> Holly asks if the shots came from the chapel as it doesn't sound right. Uh during all this, Slade gets annoyed that no one is paying attention to the fact he nearly got killed. <laughs> That's a legit thing to be angry about. He's literally sat there, like, with a burning jacket. 
He's got smoke, smoke coming off him. And he's like, can somebody point out here that I'm nearly killed? <laughs> and then Gr- Grisham's uh, probably just like, walk it off, Slade. Well, uh, she, initial reactors, how did you get out of a locked car? <laughs> no no concern said, oh, or sympathy. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I'm uh, yeah, I'm surprised she hasn't been put in front of a disciplinary because of, like, poor management decisions and, like, lack of we- welfare for her subordinates. Hey, guys. Yeah, she almost seems annoyed that he did. He he got out of the locked car. <laughs> she then wonders why, out of everybody, they picked Slade. Uh, Slade wonders if it's because he was closest to Sonya, which which triggers Holly's sarcasm chip. <laughs> um, Gresham deduces this all. This means that there must be two people that are behind this. Clifford is eliminated as Holly saw him, but points out that she didn't see Linda. Ooh. So I I like this. I think it's quite nice in that, you know, it's all like, right, well, there must be two people. Like, well, it looks like it could be this person. No, we can't because Holly saw them. It's a very Jonathan Creek plot. If you yeah, know I, I, mean. I, need to, I need to watch that. Yeah. I need to give that a watch. You've never watched Jonathan Creek? No, this this this, this has come up in came up in the first episode. Well, uh, get it watched. I'm sure I said that in the first episode too. You really, really enjoy it. What I quite like as well is that there's a couple of things that when we find out after the time travel about who's what and where, I quite like. I do appreciate and quite like the setup of the the man in the man that this, they see with the gun. Mm. Like you just see the silhouette, yes. and I don't know if you have to warn about spoilers, but we we know that it's eventually it's future slate. Well, future slash past slate or future slate um, travel back in time. Yeah, and to be fair, I. I've been going through this, like thinking, going. Uh, so that's so and so is going to be setting up this, this, and this, and a couple of times where they've like managed to kind of misdirect me and think not real and not realise that people that we think are suspects are actually Holly and um, Slade. Yeah. And I quite like, like I, I honestly thought for like until like the, until like we physically see him later on in the episode. I honestly thought that was someone else. Yeah. That was another shooter. So yeah, I quite like how that set up. When questioned, Clifford mentions Linda was completely hopeless. Uh, she always went to make her own clothes, but it never took off. He also completely fails to take responsibility for the blue fur lilac fur debacle. <laughs> it, he completely buries her, and I was just like, what a prick. Linda worked for Sonia, and apparently Linda was never grateful about it. Clifford states Linda would never listen to her and just walked out. Uh, Holly arrives to tell Slade the fingerprint on the gun was Linda's. Uh, they want to go and investigate where she lives, and Clifford reveals she lives in the flat above Sonia, and they go to investigate. So, yeah, Cl- Clifford really lays it on thick here that it's Linda, it's Linda, it's definitely Linda. What were you thinking at this point? I was thinking it's definitely, definitely not, not Linda. Linda. <laughs> yeah. the, the reveal that Linda lives in the same house as Sonia is tre- seems to be treated a bit like a, oh... I really didn't feel it was that important. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. That, that's... Yeah, same. Yeah. Was it not it's done to like... emphasise the fact that she will see all of Linda's movements and know everything about Linda? Anyway, so we get to the flat and Linda appears to have done a runner and she's taken all of her clothes. However, she's left some outfit designs back on her desk, which Holly states aren't bad at all. In fact, they're really, really good. Um... Slade believes, but when you look at it, it just seems to be like she's done some shades of pink 
on an easel and there's a couple of patches of fur. I think, to be fair, I would go with the fashion opinions of someone who can't sew. Yeah, there is that. Hmm. I mean, if Slade had said it, I'd have gone for it because of, you know, the jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's not mustard yellow enough. No. no. Needs more mustard yellow. We're, we're getting jackets <clears throat> by the end of this series. I would like yeah. one. I, I could totally pull no. off the mustard yellow jacket. I really think you could with, with a pair of like uh, oh, what they called the tight like Richard O'Brien trousers, the legging things, jeggings like jeggings. That jacket, pair of jeggings, wait, nice waistcoat. You know, you'd be you'd be fantastic, Mark. Okay, I'll give it a go. No, I won't. I'd look like a fat cop that got rejected from Ashes to Ashes. <laughs> And Matt would look fantastic. I agree. Matt should definitely make this his new look. If Matt gets one, he needs to get a black polo neck, turtleneck. Yes. And he'd look like one of the Avengers, the original, like, John Steed Avengers. He will be drowning in clunge if he does this, you know. <laughs> what, wear, what, wear a yellow jacket? Yeah. yeah. Mate. Or a mustard yellow jacket. I can't wait for that podcast. How was your week, Matt? Drowning in clunge, Mark. Drowning in clunge. <laughs> I'm a terrible human being, but I don't regret it. <laughs> oh, there we go. So uh, Slade believes it's Linda in an open and shut case. Holly isn't so sure. Why would Linda leave her behind her designs when they were so important to her? Uh, Slade is adamant Holly is wrong and they go back and forth until Holly just snaps and tells him she'll she'll show him. Uh, she storms past him and he smirks because he's Jeff Slade. It's going to happen. <laughs> and oh my God, Matt, that picture. Oh, let me have a look. Sorry, yeah, just... <clears throat> So yeah, just for uh, the benefit of listening to the tape, um, I've just sent to a Facebook chat group with Carl and Mark a picture of me in a yellow jacket. That's going, that fucking hell, that's going on the socials. Save to phone in case Matt deletes. (laughs) That jacket, a black turtleneck and your glasses, but if we could get you the purple tinted ones. I miss miss that jacket. (laughs) Proper Jason King sort of job. So yes, Holly has now been goaded into using the machine uh, by Slade. And it just kind of shows how what's the charmingly manipulative Slade can be. Because hmm. <laughs> it's very apparent that uh, he's he he knows that it's not an open and shut case, but there's only one way to get to the answer, and that's the time machine. And I think this becomes a thing in later episodes. Rather than actually do the detective work, he'd much rather just go back in time. Yeah. He does seem yeah. to really, really want to just play with the toy in a lot of ways, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I mean, I think we all would if we could go back and uh, for a few hours and just tool about and solve crimes and then come back. I think we probably would. I don't know. I'd probably get lunch or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be bad. Right, we're going back in time by six hours. What do you want to do? Let's eat. You know, and then when you come back to the present, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That'd be great. There's um, a quite an interesting conversation that's happened here with, during the midst of this, which suggests that they're not 
airing these in the right order. Yeah. Holly says, so far, since I've let you use the machine, I've been involved in two car crashes, got been arrested or something else, and then Slate goes, yeah, but you've stopped two murders, you've stopped a blackmail plot, and you've solved art fraud. Basically, they're doing the kind of um, police squad thing where they just start referencing previous episodes. I was looking at them like, the art fraud's actually next week, isn't it? Because from what I remember... Got that noted down as well. Was sort of she says she goes over how much trouble they've got into, and I put which seems a lot over two episodes. Well, it's the Doctor Who thing, isn't it? Where you're kind of expected to believe that they've done lots of other stuff other than what you've seen on the telly, and potentially <gasps> Big Finish should do Crime Traveler. Oh God, oh, God yeah. yeah. Because Big Finish do stuff in between, specifically in between specific episodes. We could have all of these things. Ah, oh, big finish. Red Dwarf and Crime Traveller, please. Absolutely. And bugs. But this this was actually, about, from what I read somewhere, this was supposed to be episode five, which then tracks because Blackmail is episode two. Uh, the murders yeah. are uh, the pilot and I think an episode we're not covered yet. And yeah, yeah, art fraud is ne- the next episode. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I think because I think I think there is an attempt to try and make to do a continuity in this, but um, yeah, I just find it. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why they write phrases out of order. I mean, it's I mean aside from that, I think aside from that, I don't know if it makes much sense. I think perhaps if this was late like over halfway through the series i can perhaps it will probably explain a bit more of holly's holly's kind of jealousy if you take that into account so if this was episode five and like holly and holly and slade had gone through a lot more of those things that we hadn't seen yet it would probably explain perhaps which is a bit more i mean they used to do this a lot See, I mean, they've done it with Red Dwarf a few times, where it's like, yeah, you'll need to play this episode here instead of here, and things like that. But that's something that today, no, no one would dream of. It's like, you know, sort of like Game of Thrones. They turned around and went, yeah, move that episode to there. It's like, absolutely not, because that's going to ruin everything. <laughs> I think the the um, in the way that we consume telly is different, which means that the serialization elements of stuff is a mm. lot more acceptable and I think because people can binge and catch up quite quickly so it's easier to do that but I think it's slightly annoying when you've got a, a TV series particularly in 97 and this was this and, and this was like what a couple of years into X-Files but X-Files wasn't really that serialised week to week it was only until Book of the Vampire Slayer I think that kind of really kind of started to kick off mm. this was actually this aired two weeks after Welcome to the Hellmouth aired. So this uh, th- this feels like a mo- lot more like s- the subtle serialisation that you probably will get loads of now. I mean, it's not much of a big thing, but I don't know. Definitely probably would have liked to have this in the right order. Yeah. There's a brief chat about schisms. Uh, Slade mustn't make a l- eye contact with himself or the universe will implode theoretically i would be so cross yeah if schisms if i got to time travel and schisms were a thing i would be so cross yeah imagine being able to time travel and not have sex with yourself 
just it's kind of you going back in time and you standing at a distance from yourself with binoculars like you work it mark you sexy mark you no i don't think i'm sexy i just think i'd be good at sex with me oh shush mark you're very sexy thanks do you want to have sex oh it's a bit far it's not that big to be fair, it can't get any sexier than the last recording we did where it was me, you and Kurt with no shirts on. That's true. That was very sexy. Look, 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 guys, if you want to resolve the sexual tension, I'll, I'll just like walk away from my screen for two, three minutes and then I'll be back. In... Well, Hank, that long? Two, three minutes? You, you flatter me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So, yeah, Slade relaxes in a chair, which I don't know why I noticed that down. It was just the the joy of which he just dived into a chair. It's like, let's go time traveling. <laughs> it's like you say, he wants to play with a toy. He's a big kid, but he doesn't actually mm. touch the toy <clears throat> unless he thinks the chair is the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> unless all Holly just gives him goes, I need you to shake. I need you to shake this. Yeah, he goes oh, okay. Yeah, shake this because it's a very important thing that needs to happen for the time. I'm surprised he didn't do this, like where she just distracts him with like I don't know, like a dog's like rattle toy or something. You say, shake this. Just sit down and shake this because that balances the the who do hickey whatever. Yeah. Actually yeah, that would have been better actually. So in a future episode where it's just him that does it. He's there shaking this thing, doesn't actually make any sense, like an ongoing joke, but uh... That would have been good actually. <laughs> Once they've gone back in time, Holly realizes they've gone back further than they used to, which is twenty hours. They head off to the church in the middle of the night. They discover the other door in the office goes right to where the car park is. Keep that in mind for later. And then they investigate the chapel uh, where the shooter was. Mm. Holly wonders why Linda would go to all the fuss of death threats and the like for weeks if she was just going to shoot her. But they're interrupted by somebody coming into the church. So, again, this ties into what you were saying earlier, Matt. It's quite good that they're behind the frosted glass. Because they just kind of... The thing I noticed, Slade pulls Holly in front of him. What a hero. <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, it goes into that, that you can't really see who's behind that glass. Uh, a guard wa- waves the torch in their direction, but wanders on. Slade guessing that they're going for a coffee, uh, which is intuition, which I realise he says a lot throughout this series when he's asked about something. He just says it's intuition. Right. Yeah. Well, it's Slade, isn't it? So, right, that yeah. guy totally put the beam of the torch into their faces. Yeah. Like, 100% right in their faces. What's the point of a torch if you can't see? Because that guy is clearly blind. Well, you know, when we all want coffee, Mark, it's very little stands in our way. Uh, they realise they need somewhere to stay for the night. Neither Holly or Slade have got money. Uh, which I thought was a bit silly to start with, and then I realised, well, they've gone back in time, so they can't go to like a cash machine, because then the money they, because then the money would be gone in the present when they first started, which would be quite odd. There's something later on at the end where there's one about, um, oh, but that didn't actually happen. So if they went back and drew money, oh, it wouldn't have existed. Good point. Yeah, there's a weird, there's like a weird thing in the end, isn't there, about oh, it didn't because it never happened. It doesn't have anything semblance or something so it's right so let me get this straight i would quite like laser eye surgery yes so if i went back in time withdrew money had laser eye surgery 
and then got back, would I lose both? Would I lose the laser eye surgery and the money hadn't been taken out? Or would it just be that the money hadn't been taken out and I'd got free laser eye surgery? It would revert because uh, it happens to Slady. He has a cut on his face and when they come back, it disappears. So if you got laser eye surgery and took money out when you came back to the present moment, you would not have had laser eye surgery and the money would still be in your account. So you wouldn't lose anything apart from you'd have to have laser eye surgery again. So, yeah, that's the bit that the show seems to be on the verge of getting it right, but doesn't because Holly and um, Slade are pretty much going through linear time. They jump Mm. back and anything that happens to them physically will still be affected because it's their physical bodies which means they've aged 20 hours in the space of no time mm-hmm. um, but from what that says means that their physical age is the same before they left so that if that's the case that what they physically do and have done to them doesn't ex- doesn't have any relevance yeah. why on earth was Holly able to free him from the thing because if, if if they weren't there if he, uh, oh no I've gone cross-eyed <laughs> yeah never frees him from the car and he he dies she can't get him back to the present moment so he'd probably that would probably cause the loop of infinity issue <clears throat> for him wibbly wobbly timey wimey that's right so the pair realize they need someone to stay stay for the night holly can't go home because she's already there and all thoughts of two chloe annettes need to be expelled from everyone's minds especially your mark <laughs> however <laughs> Slade said there's no one at his place and invites her back. Who are? We find Slade's flat is basically completely empty, as once he's paid for it as he couldn't afford furniture. He's a policeman. What's he doing with his money? It's a cool flat. I don't care. It's a little bit kind of, what's the name? Who's the, the lady who does the joy thing? The minimalist thing? Marie Kondo. Yeah, it's a bit Marie Kondo. In you know, in the way it's all kind of keep it basic kind of shit, but I like it. I liked it. It kind of reminded me of like this is where you'd shoot like a Saturday morning kids show. <laughs> it's very warehousey with its exposed brick and its large staircase. And I thought it was like the saying that oh, um, Slade's got Slade's kind of got very quirky living arrangements and very strange things, like, strange, like, habits that he has. Kind of like uh, how, like, Mulder from the X-Files, like, always seems to sleep on his settee rather than his actual bed. Um, yeah. Although when I think, like, where the, the, yeah, the main character is slightly off or doesn't have, like, the normal things that people have. Like, yeah. But I, I, I quite like it. I mean, I think this is slightly more character development... That's slightly more character development for him as well here because like you've got uh basically yeah he eats his dinner off a table tennis t- table um which which is the thing as a kid you'd be like yeah i get a, t- a ping pong table for my table mm. i can't imagine an actual table is much more expensive than a ping pong mm. table yeah but if you buy True. a ping pong table you've got a table and a ping pong table good point true uh, so Slade got the flat from a murderer he was investigating, which leads to the best joke in the show so far, uh, which is I found him other accommodation. <laughs> it's a good gag. I think it's not 
joke, but it's the way Michael French delivers it. It's so sweet. He's just like really kind of, it's almost like all the bravado's kind of been stripped away from him in this scene. It's just him and Holly in his private place. I'm glad that you find police corruption sweet, Carl. I'm a romantic guy, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He offers a glass, but he doesn't actually have one. (laughs) So he tips all the pens out of a mug and blows into it for Holly's beer. (laughs) That's great. That's romance. That is, isn't it? (laughs) I've dated guys like that. Definitely. The um, thing about, have you got any wine? Because it was Chloe Annette, yeah. who isn't even Claire Grogan, I immediately went to, oh, I think I'll have some wine. Wine. And I couldn't get that out of my head for the rest of the episode. <laughs> that They basically got Kachansky drinking wine. Wine. <laughs> what do you want on your cornflakes, darling? Oh, I think I'll have some wine. Have you ever had wine on your cornflakes? It's gotten bad. It's not got that bad before, Mark. No. <laughs> I genuinely think for like one of our Christmas specials, we should do like Red Dwarf Cookery and like get all of us together and we'll have like wine on cornflakes. We'll have like a bacon chili chutney sandwich and um, all the other dumb cookery shit that they've done. I, I think that'd be a really good idea. No. Oh, are any of us vegan? Or, or ve- I'm you're close vegan, to I'm vegan. I'm, I'm veggie. I'm just wondering if this will just result in <laughs> me having to eat the triple fried egg and cheese and chilli thing. I mean, that is my excuse you know, to not eat the really vile shit. Yeah. The thing is, there might be a way we could do it where it's not too bad. <laughs> I doubt it, but there might be. Uh, yeah, so they sit down together at Slade's ping-pong table for what looks like a dish of just pasta with sauce slopped on top of it. Down market, <laughs> down market yeah. it works. Yeah, Holly thinks it looks delicious. Uh, we learn a few bits more about Slade here. His father is a retired policeman who he doesn't see. Uh, the woman in a framed picture Holly noted he'd been dead for a long time, and his mum taught him how to cook. I actually really like this conversation. I think where he's kind of trying to hide his baggage because he's genuinely attracted to her. I think that's mm. very real, quite raw, actually, and, and a surprise, really, because the Slade character has been kind of gruff, 90s superhero guy, whereas the Holly character has been surprisingly well fleshed out for a female character mm. on a show of the 90s and this is just a nice kind of very much kind of like world building and character building expansion that i didn't expect so yeah great scene really great scene yeah um, it felt a bit like you know how in the edgar wright films they kind of lay out the film from the start yeah Uh, you know it because we do meet slade's father upcoming in the series um, I kind of feel like we probably would meet or have something to do with what I'm guessing is his, is his ex-wife, is the woman in the photograph. I mm. thought that. But, but it's when he said she's been dead for a long time, so well, that means that they probably have to go back a really long way 
which means they're going to have to hang about for a really long time before they can get back. Hmm. Same with his mum, unless his mum passed away recently. But they kind of go into that in the next bit. So after a wonderful evening, Slade and Holly cozy up on the sofa. Uh, They muse about if they went back in time for a week, they'd have to get a hotel (laughs) and make sure nobody saw them. To which I've written on my notes, what would they do to pass the time? I mean, I, I was I thought you were going to say I wrote in my notes bomb chicka wow wow, but um, also the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. So, if the cut into the head never happened, I mean, if I mean if they did the nasty for a whole week, and would you, would they if if like they if she like then conceived during that week? And then they went back. Would she never get... She wouldn't have got pregnant, would she? No. No, I did wonder if this was leading up to you basically going, Slade could do it without a condom all the time. It really wouldn't matter. <laughs> I was trying to find a PC way of saying that. I was trying to find the PC way of saying that. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't get there first, Mark. Fucking <laughs> hell. There's a line. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. But then again, though, I mean, if you got the free LASIK, you got free contraception as well because you just go back in time, buy a lot of condoms, and then... If you go and buy Mark's LASIK uh, yeah. example. I, mean. I can see clearly now. Let's go shagging. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. No comeuppance. <laughs> right. Um, things are looking quite sexy um, until Holly pieces together the reason Slade isn't home this evening and won't be back till the morning. It's because he's with Sonia. Holly is incredibly angry and yells at him how incredibly cheap this all makes her feel and throws her mug of beer all over Slade. I thought Chloe Annette in this scene was absolutely fantastic. Yep, that's in my notes (laughs) too. With the weird kind of laugh that she comes out with after she's done it. Um, She's just absolutely brilliant. She's so enraged and feels so used. Um. And in the same way, I think Michael French is really good because there's no better, was it, there's no better, um, well, it's the line in Devil's Advocate, like there's no better cover than honesty. Well, there's no better lie than honesty in that he's, you know, he's genuinely doesn't know what she's talking about and that's just making it worse. Mm. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he, he doesn't deny not doing anything, but doesn't confirm anything either. That's one thing I've noted down that, the impression being that oh Slade's like, like spend the night with Sonya, but he, I, I I don't know whether he's either oblivious. That's what everyone thinks that happens, or whether yeah. I, I that that's that that's the bit that slightly confused me. I'm not sure whether Slade's genuinely airheaded enough to not be not perceptive enough to realise that people are re- reacting to the concept, the idea that he slept with Sonya. Or whether mm-hmm. he's just he just can't be asked defending himself. That that's what I don't. Yeah. That's what I don't get. To me, it feels like he's he th- he thinks that other people wouldn't think that about him, but he's Jeff Slade, so of course they're going to think that about him. You know, look at the jacket. It's a good jacket. Yeah, but he didn't have. Oh no, he did have the jacket. No, he didn't have the jacket. So even without the jacket. Anyway, uh, they have a tiff, and Slade goes off to bed alone, 
with Holly sleeping on the sofa. Although it looks like a very nice sofa. The next day, we join Slade and Holly silently sitting in what appears to be an incredibly tense car. (laughs) (laughs) Again, really nicely done. There's eight and a half hours left and five hours before the start of the show. Uh, They witness Clifford picking up Linda and then go and search the flat, showing that she hasn't packed. Holly notices if she wanted to make a quick getaway, she'd have already packed. And it was, and all the things were missing when they came after the show. So where's it all gone? Dun, dun, dun. Slade tries to make peace, but they're interrupted by Sonia, who heard voices. However, she doesn't really think anything of it, because obviously she knows who they are. Uh, as they leave, Sonia, uh, Slade warns Sonia to not go out on the catwalk, stating he will stay with her backstage. So this is, is this one of the first examples of Slade deliberately trying to change the future? He does it every episode, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, pretty much. This one just feels very more, much more explicit. I do like, I do like what this eventually sets up, though. Um, yeah. When they reveal about why he was attacked, I do quite like this bit. Um, yeah. On in hindsight, so I quite like how him Slade actually trying to be the hero ends up putting him in actual danger. Yeah. Holly points out he can't go backstage as he could be seen in two places at once. Uh, as they arrive at the church, Slade goes inside to uh, hide with Holly armed with the stereotypical huge, chunky uh, Polaroid camera of the 90s. <laughs> right, here's oh, the thing. Good. Whenever I see a Polaroid camera, I am so je- like ridiculously jealous because... I wanted one so much when I was a kid. I know they're shit. I know they're grossly expensive. Mm-hmm. And I know that you don't need one. You've got a mobile phone. But I'm so jealous of a Polaroid camera. Just so jealous. You can still get them. Can you? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Maybe I'll get a Polaroid camera. You can make a double Polaroid. I wouldn't need that triple Polaroid oh yeah that'd be nice that's what it says on my grinder it doesn't round the back of the building Holly sees the doctor from earlier is the man that hit Slade and put him in the trunk and she sets off following the car meanwhile Slade is hiding in the chapel as the show begins so this goes back and forth quite a few times some of the they tend to have like quite slow, like linear scenes, and then when the action kicks off, it proper cuts back and forth, back and forth. It's very, very inconsiderate for us doing a podcast <laughs> twenty plus years <laughs> in the future. Rude. I know. I will write to my MP. Um, so yes, yeah, so we cut back and forth. Holly witnesses the car going up in flames and the doctor riding away on a motorcycle. She rushes, rushes into the bush to find the key fob. Uh, and does so, which leads to what we saw earlier of Slade escaping. And then Holly races back to the church. Back at the church, Slade is lying in wait, and someone enters and leaves a shotgun on the floor. Right, I uh, want to go back to the car scene, Carl. Yes. Three questions. Yes. How did the bad guy not spot her waiting? She did not hide in any way. No. Why did he chuck the keys away anyway? Why did he do that? Why didn't he just pocket them or get rid of them? In a better way. And three, 
When they analysed the fingerprints on the keys, why didn't they spot that Holly's was on it? Good point. It's Sonia's car, isn't it? But someone... There was an attempted murder in that car. They will have dusted those keys and they didn't find Holly's fingerprints. But to be fair, but then again, this is Grisham, so Grisham probably doesn't really care. Yeah. (laughs) Fine. Grisham picked them up herself by hand when they were doing the evidence thing. So. <clears throat> she's probably got a flamethrower ready to like burn Slade alive one of these days, so she just probably thought someone beat her to it. The um, Doctor not noticing thing is, uh, yeah, Holly was kind of away, but she wasn't super far away. Um, but he did just seem to put his helmet... He was very focused. He was about to pull off a murder here, or an alleged <laughs> murder. And, yeah, uh, What was the other question? Or why did he throw the keys away? Well, baddie's got a baddie. (laughs) Fine. Fine, fine. Dear BBC, (laughs) what is this? Right. Where do we go? Worst episode ever. Yeah. When, oh, when, oh, when. (laughs) So someone enters and leaves a shotgun on the floor in the chapel. Slade picks it up carefully, which I thought was quite... He, yeah, he picks up carefully, but as soon as the gunshots go off and Nicky screams over there in the chapel, as we saw at the very beginning, Slade just holds it with his fingers and puts it back on the floor. <laughs> Which goes into what you just said about the key fob, Mark. Yep. Uh, so he runs away, heading north. Uh, Holly witnesses the doctor picking up someone on his motorbike and them escaping, but can't see who it is due to a bike helmet. Meanwhile, and I like this section, this goes into the, oh, this is quite a bit for 8 o'clock on a Saturday night on BBC One, is the whole Slade is running across a train yard pursued by police. Mm-hmm. I, 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 really, I really quite like this, actually. It was a, Yeah, I thought this was pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, basically when you make the... Yeah, somehow, again, this show's made David Wicks an action yeah. hero. He, I mean, there's a few scenes where it's like, yeah, that is a stunt double. And then there's a few scenes where like, no, that is Michael French. Yeah, the train mm-hmm. stuff was definitely him. And I, I actually put, that's really cool that he got to do those stunts. You wouldn't have modern actors doing that now. No, no, definitely not. Unless it's like, you know, Cruise or somebody. So Tom Cruise, Michael French. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he races between carriages, uh, pulling the old double back, and then runs in front of and grabs onto a moving train. The the fact he trips when he's doing the thing makes me feel like he wasn't supposed to, but Michael French went, do you know what's going to look pretty cool and add a bit of drama if I trip in front of a moving train? Yeah, it's it's, it's the it's the 0.01% of Slade that, that's like infallible so that we mere mortals have some kind of... Like relatability to Slade. Uh, he finally loses them and then jumps over a fence <clears> to be rescued by Holly, uh, who knew where he'd be from Morris's description that they heard in the future slash past. Uh, and they get back to the flat with 10 seconds to go. Holly shows Slade the pictures of the doctor, with Slade responding that he knows who that is and he's not a doctor. However, in the same as your Lazic eye surgery and the potential. Uh, Slade Turner baby the photos are blank when they get back to the present because of a time paradox yeah which is a shame because I mean Polaroid camera film costs a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) mhm 
Are you googling how much it costs now so you can get a Polaroid camera? No, I just remember it cost a lot when I was a kid and I couldn't afford one. But I'm, yeah. I am going to Amazon a Polaroid. I'm going to have a look at Amazon. You keep, ch- you two keep chatting. I'm going to have a look. I did work in a photo lab for quite a long period of time, and it was one of the things we got the least was because you can get film as well, um, and we used to every so often get one but we used to also sell very little polaroid paper because it was so expensive at the time and this was just a digital was becoming more prevalent huh sorry yeah sorry um as you're talking i was trying to work this out so basically the the laws of the time travel of crime traveler means that the in the original timeline they, the photo wasn't taken. Yeah. I'm beginning to understand there that because that piece of film that was in the camera hadn't trans hadn't gone back in time, bec- then it didn't develop. So what they probably could do is take a camera with them back in time yeah. to take a picture, which I fully get. The bit that confuses me is then why doesn't the why doesn't that the Polaroid picture vanish back into the camera? You mean the the paper itself? Yeah, yeah. I it just fades. I think that just that it just wasn't there in 1997, unless Michael French held really still, and they shot him with them, and then shot him without them, and did a fade. <laughs> no, I mean, as in the physical piece of paper should should have like vanished yeah. back into the camera. So theoretically, what so what that means is that now that cam. So when they gone back in the, they've either got two copies of that piece of pa- paper. So if they get like someone's yeah. chair. Yeah, and then take it with them. Does that... Does the chair disappear, is the... what you're saying? I can imagine so, yeah. because now it's a timeline that didn't... You can't bring something back from the past with you, because that would be tampering. In the same one, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, that Holly can't cause a car accident, because that's messing with time. In the same way, like if you take that chair, there will be the butterfly effect of... Somebody doesn't sit on that chair who's supposed to sit on that chair, if you know what I mean. But So I've looked at Polaroid cameras, and you can get a nice Polaroid camera for 110 quid. However, it works out 16 pictures costs £30, so it's about £2 per Polaroid photograph with the film. So... In this economy. I know, right? You can get a nice shiny red one, though, that looks pretty. But, yeah. That's what she said. I know, right? Yeah, it's exactly the same culture as the 80s and 90s, that it's the film that's kind of off-putting. So there you go. I did an Amazon search. (laughs) So they are now back in the present. Uh, Slade realises the gun never fired... Holly doesn't quite understand what he's talking about, but Slade has had his Columbo moment. I thought the deduction was more Poirot than Columbo, to be honest with you. That could just be me struggling to think of a detective to fit that Mm. sentence. Fits from Cracker. Yes. Initially, I'd put the Jonathan Creek moment, because they always seem to... You'll see this when you watch the show, Matt. There's always a very long shot of him staring into the middle distance when he realises what's happened. Uh, so we cut to the crew in a car waiting for somebody to come out of a house who has booked a flight to Miami. Uh, the house belongs to an Andrew Hopkins, 
And while they're chatting, Slade points out the very true thing, that how easy it is for someone to yell, I'm a doctor, and everyone will assume they are a doctor. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, I did quite like that, because that, I wonder if that's a comment on the TV trope. Yeah. Where, like, saying, like, I'm a doctor. And after this, Michael French goes to Holby City. <laughs> Maybe he's Jeff Slade. Maybe he's travelled back, like, 15 years and not the only thing you can think to do is become mm. a doctor in inverted commas mm. how funny would that be the last episode of his Holby City run uh, he walks outside and Holly picks him up in a car and they go back to the time machine <laughs> yeah and just like hands him a, a mustard yellow jacket yeah in there. oh god yeah ah, that should happen uh, the house, uh, we'll see, Hopkins and a mystery person get in a Land Rover and Gresham gives the go, which is a very restrained one for a police like uh, operation. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like a go, 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 but Sue Johnston makes a choice and just goes quite quiet. Uh, they trap the Jeep. Hopkins is pulled out of the Jeep. Clifford James is pulled out of the car and the back door is open to reveal a third person, Sonia herself. The whole thing is a massive insurance fraud. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my goodness! And they'd have got away with it if it wasn't for these meddling kids. Did you did you see this coming? I mean, obviously we've seen the show before, but do you remember if you saw this coming at the time? Maybe not to the extent of deducing the whole thing, but it clearly wasn't a sister, and I probably didn't get that she wasn't dead. No, yeah. I I think that for me was the same as I didn't realise that. Sonia was going to be involved as well. I do remember being surprised. Yeah. When I first watched it. Like the first two, I was like, yeah, fair enough. And then, oh, she's alive too. It almost seems tacked on, but it works. Hmm. Oh, it definitely yeah. works. It's quite clever. It's it's very Poirot just with time travel, like I said at the very start. Yeah, right. So back at the Nick, we're going through the whys and hows and wrapping it all up. All to get the three million pound bond. Uh, the letters and threats were all staged and the shooting was done so the police would be there to bear witness. Uh, the gunshots were recorded onto the DAT tape, so Sonia just fell to the ground when they went off. And when they moved the body into the office, they swapped her for Linda, who had been shot previously. Which, when I realised this, was like, that's quite dark. Because yeah. you see Linda go into an office earlier on, not realising that's when they shot her. So they just took her straight in there and shot her. And it's like, oh. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah that's, that is grim, isn't it? Poor Linda. Yeah. yeah. They swap them over and then Sonia escapes as the mysterious second person on the motorbike. And nobody questions whether it's Sonia on the slab. They've been told that it's her by a doctor. So if you want to get away with murder, pretend to be a doctor. Who identified Sonia's body? I mean, that's, well, Linda's body, I mean. Clearly, I mean, the whole thing falls apart if Slade looked at Linda's body. Yeah. But they didn't. <laughs> I think he was too busy wanting to play in the time machine to realise, so I need to just double-check that the person who's dead is dead. Yeah. If if he'd just taken a look, the whole thing would have been solved in 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so the case wrapped up. Holly and Slade go back to Slade's flat, uh, where Holly decides to get everything off her chest and reveals what she's heard about Slate's night away from home. Uh, Slate sort of realises and then reveals that he was talking about Gresham the whole time 
Uh, he had to sleep in the church for security on a roll-up bed, and he was the guard that was going for coffee earlier. Uh, and then he says, you don't believe that I'd fancy to do you? And Holly says, yes, I do, because he tried to stop the shooting in the past. And this is what leads into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, because he tried to do that, they were, they thought that that was going to ruin their plan, so that's why they tried to kill Slade. Mm. So Slade set himself up to get killed. Mm-hmm. Clever. I, I like that touch. I, I like that touch. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Holly then reveals she let Slade out of the car, uh, which Slade is surprised at, but I don't understand why, because he knew she was chasing after who knocked him out. Uh, Slade says Holly changed the past, however Holly responds with, she was the past, and that's different, which I thought was a really good line. It doesn't really make sense, but it sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they agree to start all over again. This time Slade does have wine and glasses. Uh, he asks Holly to dinner. And for some reason they use a shot from earlier on of Holly looking coquettish from the earlier date. Which I thought was really odd. And that's where we leave them. And then I've written here in brackets, presumably to bang like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. That is episode three. Uh so, Matt, final thoughts on this episode? I'd say I enjoyed it. I think if I switch my brain off completely, I'll probably just, like, re-enjoy it. I don't think it's as good as the previous two, but I still think it's still decent, a lot of fun. I, that's it. I've not really got much else to say apart from it, apart from that was, yeah, it was fine. I enjoyed it. Mark? I think because we are over-analyzing it because we're podcasting about it, on second watch... I was really critical about this. But on first watch, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Even the really obvious stuff like fashion shows look a bit naff and stuff like that. I really enjoyed it the first time. And sometimes perhaps overanalyzing stuff that's just fun kind of ruins it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a thumbs up because I enjoyed it the first time around. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. think this is a really solid episode in its... In, you know, it, it's a one-off thing, so it, it all wraps up by the end, which a lot of these episodes do. But I think this one's a very neat, very densely packed, and and the plot is clever. The actual villain's plot is quite clever as well. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> all right then, so that is episode three in the books, and we will be moving on to episode four, uh, which will be coming out next episode. So all that's left is to really plug our bits and bobs. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? And they can find me online um, under Pick a Disc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, about my podcast about music that I speak to people about. I'm also on uh, No Book Club, which is the Yellow Jackets podcast um, that I do with Kurt and our friend Tony. And um, at the time of at the time of uh, airing, I should be a few months into a new podcast, which is Ask Us About Loom, where I talk about point and click adventure games. And you can find that on Ask Us About Loom on Twitter. Excellent. Mark, what are you up to? Well, this is going out a lot later than we recorded it. So at the moment, I'm not doing a huge amount podcast-wise. I'm just doing this and Chucky Vision, which is a podcast about the Child's Play and Chucky franchise, at Chucky Vision on Twitter. And yes, we did deliberately make a Chuckle Vision pun with the name, but that is literally the only thing 
to do with Chuckle Vision. So it was a silly idea. It was mine. But yeah, if you like child's play horror films and shit like that, give that a listen. And if you're looking for me, I'm at Mark Adams HC on Twitter and Face Instagram. And he's also on Grinder. I am on Grinder. I'm the handsome one. He is. He always has been. And if you're looking for me, uh, you can find me at allmylinks.com slash Mr. Carl. I'm not getting much going on at the moment, but hopefully by the time this airs, I may have something. Uh, And yeah, so uh, thank you very much for listening. We will see you on the next episode. And until then, damn you, Slade. Just realised my my gelf probably needs to be brushed up a little bit there. I heard the momentary panic when you were like, "Oh, I've got to do this." Shipwrecked and Comatose, a Red Dwarf podcast, was created and produced by Mark Adams and Kurt North. You can find us on Twitter at Red Dwarf Pod, and we are part of the We Made This Podcast Network, which can be found online at WeMadeThisPod.com or on Twitter at WeMadeThisPod. <laughs>